The year is 2001. I'm Zach. I'm Sharats. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book podcast and reading club where we go through all of the Marvel Universe from its origins to today. I'm Charlotte, your comic book Rainbow Belt, and today I'm with a very special guest who had surgery to become the smartest man in the world, but then realized he liked being dumb better. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Good. I am small and dumb now, just to make oh, perfect. that clear, clear to everybody <laughs> in the audience. Yeah, I just wanted to be able to, um, I just want to fit in my wife's pocket. I don't think that's too much to ask. Uh, no, it's very it's so nice for you. And cozy in here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just want to sit. Well, okay. The thing is, like, all my life I've sought after sitting in a giant woman's pocket. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's no, sadly, there's no woman giant enough. But if you're tiny, pocket, all so women I... are giants. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, I really did it for the for the women out there to kind of put them all on an equal playing field. Uh-huh. I think. That's feminism. Yeah, you 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 ended sexism right there. Like you did yeah. a feminism. <laughs> um, so I want to point out, I am sipping coffee from my official my marvelous Ooh. year podcast host journey official journeyman mug, uh, which Charlotte bought me for Christmas. I don't think I've mentioned it on the show yet. Yeah. So thank you, thank you so much, Charlotte. It was such a nice. Yeah, Christmas you're welcome. Then. Now we we um, all match. I have Christ- my rainbow belt mug, and Dave has his. Uh, expert mug i just want to say i'm looking up the uh, tracking on your christmas present and it did clear customs in france on january 6th and then vanish yep so <laughs> i am uh concerned it's somewhere it. it's uh, it's somewhere in france so uh, yeah oh how nice you give to me a, a treasure hunt now i have to go find <laughs> wherever it <laughs> somewhere is somewhere <laughs> in the country of france yeah can't be that perfect <laughs> all right so today we are talking spider-man um we are talking the JMS, J. Michael Straczynski, uh, Spider-Man run, as well as a few other, um, like some Greg Rucka stories, and then some Black Widow and some Black Panther. But really, I think the main event here is Amazing Spider-Man by J. Michael Michael Straczynski. Uh, This is going to be a very big run. I think we're going to be covering this for years and years. I actually got to look up like how long this run goes for. But I think for a lot of people, um, the JMS run of Spider-Man becomes like the return of Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly that way for me. We're going to talk about it soon. But like, yeah, he does this for six years. Um, <clears throat> this is the run that where I'm like, oh, yeah, Spider-Man can be really cool. <laughs> I, I missed Spider-Man. And it's been like, I don't know, 15 years. I can't even remember the last time we had some like great Spider-Man stories besides like the Clone Saga, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> the 90s has just been so like, like uh, some so good stuff. for Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like... <laughs> The thing is, like, there there are good stories and there there are fine runs. Like, it's not all disaster, but yeah, it's just but it's not. It's so unfocused and it's so scattered. I I don't know. It doesn't feel like it hasn't felt fresh in a long time. I mean, I don't think um, it's felt fresh since like I was gonna say Craven's last time. Craven's last time. That's not even true. Like David Makelani and Todd McFarlane, maybe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those that stuff's really good. Um, and that feels like new. And then after that, ooh, I don't know. After that, it's nineties. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that that was the last time. In Craven's Last Hunt, feels like its own little thing. Right? Yeah, kind of more like a graphic novel than like a run. So, yeah, yeah, it must be the uh, Michelini and McFarland stuff. Uh, anyway, we're gonna get into that. Uh, before we do, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/MyMarvelousYear and support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can get access to the master spreadsheet, covers all the comics we're gonna cover. Uh, it is currently Dave's chugging along fixing up the 2000s there's tons more comics that he's adding to the 2000s that are going to be added to this list and then 2010 and beyond um 2010s where my rose here stopped the first time he did it but he's going to be fleshing it out from 2011 onwards which is very exciting also uh the my ultimate year complete list and the extra issues our bonus podcast uh the list for those comics are on there now um charlotte extra issues is really cool i'm so proud of this podcast we're yeah, I think we're, like, doing some of the best work we've ever done <laughs> on yeah. Extra Issues. Like, we've recorded five episodes. There are five episodes up right now on the Patreon. Um, we're almost at the end of our Superhero Subversions theme. And uh, we covered Watchmen, Planetary, Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, The Boys, and most recently, Alan Moore's Miracle Man. Uh, Dave yeah. was on that episode. And I think it's a great episode um, about a really interesting comic. I really encourage people to go check this podcast out. You get six months early access at the $5 level on Patreon. Yeah. But it will be up eventually in public. Um, and then next on Extra Issues, we're going to be covering over three months the entirety of the works of Molly Knox Ostertag, who's probably most well-known for the webcomic Strong, Strong Female Protagonist or the Witch Boy trilogy of graphic novels. Um yeah, very very excited to keep doing this podcast. It's been a ton of fun. So yeah, and I, I think like I we're getting close to to, yeah. to our first episode on Watchmen coming out publicly, and like yeah, I think two months. Yeah, it's a great first. I think it's a great first episode for folks to issues, but also like mm-hmm. if you like, then we know there are some people that are like behind on the reading list because like we cover a lot of stuff quickly and we've already reached uh, mm-hmm. reached two thousands. Actually, issues a great post gap for just like. Picking an episode at random on like a comic that interests you, and I think Watchmen oh, will be sure. that for, right. for most people. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. feel free to, well, to share like the, the boys. Episode, the I think boys, it's, for uh, example, it's one of our best. Well, we did Garth Ennis's The Boys is our fourth episode, yeah. and like I I doubt a lot of people are going to sit down and read all seventy two issues of that. But like and you should still good podcast. honestly. No, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, please I, don't. We 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 landed I'm on it about being, you. Like, <laughs> it was okay i don't know there's a, interesting stuff about it yeah but, um but yes I, uh, I i agree like i think you can it's a really a show you can pick and choose what you want to listen to so i think yeah. that's kind of fun anyway um anything else before we jump into these comics nope let's jump into some spidey comics all right so j michael straczynski i think probably outside of comics is pretty well known for his tv work um creator of um or co-creator i think of babylon 5 which is a very popular like 90s sci-fi show like i've never watched it but the impression i got is that it's kind of star trek ish but maybe sillier i don't know <laughs> so Babylon I, I 5, mean, uh, honestly fans, like i know the name but i have no idea what it is and so i'm just picturing this deep space nine <laughs> yeah i always mix them up when yeah. i was a kid my dad was like really into both of them star trek deep space nine oh, and, yeah, and i was really like, star trek I was very next generation, and I never got in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a big space opera sci-fi show from the '90s. Looks kind of neat. Um, very well known for that. Moved into writing some Marvel comics in the 2000s, as well as like he worked on a few more, I think, movies and TV shows and stuff. Um, 
eventually sensate with the Wachowski sisters. So, um, but he writes a bunch of Marvel comics. He's going to do the Spider-Man run. He's going to do Thor. And then I think a Fantastic Four run. Um, but his Spider-Man one is fascinating to me because if you talk about best Spider-Man runs of all time, when people like the internet discussions about like who wrote the best Spider-Man comics, I think his run consistently comes up as some of like the best Spider-Man comics along with like yeah. people like Dan Slott's, you know, and then like the John Romita, Stan Lee stuff. Um, wait, it is John Romita, right? John Romita Sr.? Like yeah, it was the successor it's, it's to Ditko, Ditko, right? Okay, I want to make yeah. sure my memory. Yeah, so like Stanley era. But what is also interesting about that, and I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but what's interesting about him being listed like really consistently as a beloved writer of Spider-Man is that also if you ever go read top 10 worst Marvel stories of all time, two of two stories from this one <laughs> like series from this creative run are inevitably in the top in the top 10 of worst stories of all time, the Spider-Man One More Day and um, Spider-Man Sins Past. So I think it's a really interesting run to have, like, yeah, be so beloved, but also in the middle of it are two just absolutely, like, uniformly hated. People hate these runs. I get crap all the time because I kind of think they're okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I get made fun of that all the time, and I, I mean, think it will be fun to... To be honest, I've never yeah. read either of it, or either of them. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. from when I've read about it, it doesn't make me <laughs> like think I'm gonna enjoy them. I will them, say, okay, like, here, here's we'll what I'm gonna say: execution. If, if you're like Charlotte, if you're listening to this and you're like Charlotte and you've just heard about them, you know, kind of heard what they're about and stuff, I would say try to give it an open mind. Walk into it with an open mind. Try to you know dispel the like the the. <laughs> the dogma about these comics uh like when you're reading them and judge them on their own merits i will say i don't think either are like all-time great stories but i think they're okay like i think there's some okay interesting stuff happening around them um i would even go so far so far as to say they're good um the thing that is missing and dave constantly reminds me of is that i am reacting to them in a little bit of a vacuum which is to say i have not read the whole jms run and I hadn't been reading Spider-Man comics for decades before I got there. And that context is part of what, like, irritates people when they read them. So when I come back to them, I'm going to try to, like, carry that into my reread. Um, read them in context of the entire run in Spider-Man history. So that might change things a little bit. But I'm, I'm interested to get back into it. Anyway, the JMS run, people love this run, um, starts out with John Romita Jr. doing the art. Uh, that's who we're going to read today. We're covering... Just a second. 30 through 37. So eight issues here. Um, so Charlotte, have you read any of this before? JMS? I did, actually. I think this run, like those first few issues are like, I think one of the first Marvel comics I ever read. Um, mm -hmm. Like there was a French or Belgian like collection of comics that was like, like a hundred volumes and each one of it, each one was like, an important comic in like comic book history, whether it be manga, European comics, and American comics. And two of those volumes were about Marvel stuff. One of them was X-Men and the other one was Spider-Man and the Spider-Man one had these issues. So they were like, I think the only superhero comics I'd read like as a kid before actually getting into, into Marvel. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's fun to reread them for, for the show and like back then I was like oh those are amazing it's so fun and like reading them back yeah it still holds up it's it's super fun but now I get to enjoy mm -hmm. them with like all the context of what has come before and how someone sometimes like messy and bad Spider-Man comics can be 
Um, and this is like, this is really cool. It feels so fresh. And I think one of the things I want to talk about during this episode is like comparing this to Ultimate Spider-Man in some ways. Because I think it's mm-hmm, a very mm-hmm. interesting and relevant conversation because like those two series were going on at the same time. But one was yeah. like, had the... I don't know, bonus of being its own thing, starting completely fresh. And this has to be, like, read with uh, knowing there is, uh, what, 40 years of comics before? I think it's Wait, really... okay, so th- that that knowing that it has to have 40 years before, do you really think that's true? Because when this picks up, I feel like you could read this, and the only thing you really need to know that's happening is that Peter and Mary Jane are having a separation. Yeah, like, I, yeah for, I mean, I... I I, like, fully agree. Like, I think it's a very, very good sp- comic to start with Spider-Man because you need very little mm-hmm. context. But, like, it still has to function in the context of, like, like in an editorial context of knowing maybe some of this will get walked back at some point that you don't really have with Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, sure, And I'm sure, sure, sure. like, okay. the... Also, like, just yeah. writing this, I'm sure Strazinski had, like, different mandates than Bendis might have had. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's like mm-hmm. overall a very inst- it's it's I think it's an interesting comparison with two Peter Parkers at very different stages in their life. Um, but yeah, 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 I agree. I I think that's a that's a good point. And yeah, they are they are an interesting comparison. I think because Straczynski, I think he does a really good job of balancing like classic Spider-Man themes here. Like there's stuff, there's a lot of stuff here that I think evokes like the Stanley Jack Kirby days. Uh, Stan, not Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. Sorry, I always just instinctively want to credit Jack Kirby on everything. Um, the uh, it, it evokes the Stanley Ditko stuff really well, while also feeling like the freshest Spider-Man stuff we've read in a long time. So the the first arc here is um, Ezekiel Sims and Morlin. I think are the two big characters that show up. And Ezekiel Sims is this um, very rich, ooh, I don't know how to describe it, capitalist, I guess, who has similar powers to Spider-Man. Um, and he's trying to warn Spider-Man of this creature that's coming, Morlin. Um, is Morlin a thing? Do you know if Morlin like, becomes a long-running character? I mean, so it's a weird question for me because <laughs> when I read this oh, for the yeah, first you, time, you know. don't, Morlin don't was answer. like... <laughs> No, no, but, like, it's weird for me because, like, for me, when I read this for the first time, Morlin was the only Spider-Man villain I knew about, which is kind of weird. Because oh, that's he's, interesting. Okay. Like, not talking about related stuff, like, he's not in the conversation with bigger, like, most important Spider-Man villains. Um, mm-hmm. He, he like, he becomes something. He, he sticks around. Um, but okay, which is interesting because it does feel like, I think this is a good enough introduction of Morlin that you could be like, okay, we just added, like a new villain to the roster, right? Like, Morland becomes... I mean, I for, guess... For me, at least. Here's my problem I, with that. I, I, okay, go on. Why isn't Morland just Morbius? Because they're very similar, both design-wise yes. and in what they do. And it's Morbius weird that they just boring. didn't take Morbius to the, for this. Morbius is... I mean, the, yeah, the, their names even sounded like... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's because Straczynski won... I mean, I guess he could have woven that in, but... Uh, I don't know. We, we've only read like one interesting Morbius comic. I'm not that like, yeah, I'm not sure. that morbed up that or morb pilled that I needed to <laughs> have Morbius here. I think I I appreciate more this no, feeling sure. like I an mean, untapped I th- corner. I guess my problem with it is like I think Molin has a very effective first appearance here, but like my mm-hmm. only problem with it is like he's too similar to another big Spider-Man villain. 
like and the like link isn't acknowledged like if it was like hobgoblin with green goblin like they don't have to be the same but like we should acknowledge that they're very similar he like Morbius and Morbius are so similar once. that it's weird no. that it's are not they? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's an, en- <laughs> I guess he's I mean, an energy vampire. I mean, they're both energy vampires that literal... start with more and that have, yeah. like, long black hair and weird, like, yeah. I don't Pale know. skin. And, very yeah. vampire-like. Yeah, I guess so. I think, so th- what, what's happening here is that Ezekiel Sims warns Spider-Man that he is perhaps a, like, a, a totemistic uh, representation of, like, uh, of the animal kingdom <laughs> of spiders yeah. right this like link between the primordial like the platonic ideal of spider the spider energy in the world he's like the conduit for it and Morlin is someone who is this immortal energy vampire who like feeds off this um this power of these like these paragons that rise up who like represent these primal forces and it's trying to get into this, this is going to be some like criticism of JMS here. Uh, and I don't want it to like overshadow how much I like this. And I think it works, but my, I think one of my big issues with uh, this comic is J- <laughs> JMS has big, um, smart, dumb guy energy in this <laughs> where he's constantly trying to like, it feels like a dumb guy's attempt at being smart. And like someone who's got these like half baked pseudo intellectual ideas that like it, they come across as you don't, or not, it's not intriguing it's mostly like well that isn't really anything that doesn't sound, like that sounds like something that would trick some it's like the kind of stuff like elon musk would say where like if you're very gullible Whoa. you'd be like damn he's Tough damn he's smart yeah i i no, i know I, I i that's what i said i don't want it to sound too damning but there's yeah. a bunch of stuff here where like peter parker's teaching his class and he was like listen up kids i'm gonna inspire you about science because guess what everything is science do you know art Art is actually math, if you think about it. And human emotions, pheromones, that's just math. You can break it down to its equations. And one kid's like, damn, I never thought about it that way. That art is math. And like, it, it's pretty meaningless. Or at least I the mean, way that JMS writes about it I feels agree, incredibly. But then like, <laughs> but you were that's also, also like, damn, that's cool. <laughs> no, no, I agree. But like, you could say the same about Stan Lee, I feel. But like, just Rosinski, oh, sure. like this yeah, side yeah. is more realistic. <laughs> so it looks dumber. Uh, I guess well, it like, feels more self-serious for yeah, sure, right? Like yeah, probably. Stanley had Stanley was just trying to throw out science jargon to like fill a trope, right? Like he just yeah. wanted to be like, oh, let me just throw in some nonsense science words. JMS here, I think, is trying to write like uh, trying to portray that his characters are very clever. So like Ezekiel Sims has a meeting where like he's you know head of this multinational corporation and his uh, advisors are trying to like advise him on the state of the company. And he was like, no, 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 no. Just give me the coffee table amount. And the guy's like, oh, what? And he's like, yeah, no, just the coffee table amount. If you stacked all my money on a big old coffee table, how much would I have? And the guy's like, okay, this much. And he's like, that's all I need to know. And it's like, damn, this guy cuts right. He's he's cut, he's slicing through the Gordian knot. Like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of that energy of like, this is the smartest guy in okay, the room. That part's very Musk, to be fair. <laughs> It's very what? It's very Elon Musk, for, to be fair. Yes, right, exactly. That's what I mean. That like, one, yeah. I got that kind of vibe where it's like, actually, being not having a complicated view of the world is really the smart thing. You know, whatever. The, the point is that it, it kind of just faints towards this stuff. There, there's a no, dumb smart this, guy is comic, a good description for it. I, I rolled my eyes at it. But, like, yeah. it's, a, it's a small 
part I don't want to make. The, the Also, the other thing that is more core to the actual comic is this, like, idea of the, like, primordial or primal link between Spider-Man and spiders or whatever. And, yeah. like, Ezekiel's like, yeah, all your enemies, you have these, like, pretenders to become these, like, totemistic yeah. uh, paragons, like, uh, doctor, like, have you ever considered why all your enemies are animals, right? You got Doc Gawk, you got the Vulture, you got... Who else is yeah? He also, Scorpion. he mentions lizard though, lizard, and I was like, yeah. yeah, but lizard is lizard a pretender? Because lizard seems more like a lizard than you seem like a spider. <laughs> like maybe lizard is actually the real like totem uh, here, and you're not. But, but yes, it well, kind of just feels like several of them. Like there's a totem for a... each animal. Yes, right, yeah, yeah. No, I know, but he does say they're not actually like yeah. they're they're pretenders to that kind of like. Oh yeah, right. I mean, thing. I think the right. problem with it for me is like it's it's almost not dumb enough, or like it takes itself too seriously. Because yeah. I think the yeah, idea yeah. of recont- recontextualizing like spider villains so that like there's kind of an in-universe reason why they are like mostly all animals, um, like that's that's a fun idea, and you can like have a villain come from that idea. I think yeah, taking itself too self seriously and trying to explain it, uh, making it like. A, a secret truth about the world uh, that's like to be taken seriously is dumb <laughs> like it should just be yeah. yeah it's it's a magic thing it's a weird dumb magic thing and that's just the way things I, work no i can't yeah i kind of agree i think like it needs to it needs to either be smarter or dumber <laughs> yeah like, i think like, <laughs> fair enough someone like like morrison writing this it's, it, like it seems like kind of a big brained idea that morrison might do something with but like morrison you would feel like there's more behind the scenes right like it's a better thought out idea like there's more context to it it would feel more fleshed out as an idea and like what i'm describing is about as deep as it goes right and that's yeah. not that interesting because you know if i can just sum it up in a few words to capture like the feeling of what it is i think it doesn't actually like there's really not that much more than kind of like this simple gesturing towards it so like yeah, yeah i i feel like hickman would you know really it, it also the the other issue with the the totem thing is that like he's just playing into a lot of like it's kind of white guy dipping his toes into a bunch of like native american tropes and stuff i think he i can't remember if he evokes like you know skinwalkers or some stuff like he definitely just kind of like yeah i mean i think Ezekiel cult- other, like, gets his powers through like some weird mesoamerican sacrifice thing which is like yeah very yeah, white yeah, it's guy, all it's yeah. all very like yeah. Very Indiana Jones Other, too. Yes, you're right. Yeah, it's very like it, like not researched, not actually like yeah diving into anything real, not trying to not trying to like really draw on real world parallels between like mythologies, but definitely evoking them. Yeah, but kind of in a half-assed way. So again, yeah. let's I, move on from that. I was gonna say it's not like it's also a feels like blow. Yeah. Yeah, no, true. it does feel a bit Geoff Jones to me also, like that instinct of being like, oh, if there's a Green Lantern, then there must be a, a, a Red Lantern and a Yellow Lantern, and like, if there's a Spider-Man, <laughs> yeah, what's, sure. what about the same but with other animals? Um, yeah. yeah, it's and, like and I think, a dumb, smart idea. I think idea. people are going to run, I, I think maybe, I can't even remember if he runs with it, or if somebody else does in the following few years, because there's some comics that like kind of play with this idea that I remember having read when I was a teenager, so anyway. Okay. Okay. Let, let's let's talk about what's good about this because th- those are my complaints and I think they're actually kind of minor compared to the stuff I really like here. Um, John Romita Jr., who I just complained about, I think in our last episode drawing the Hulk. Uh, yeah, he did a couple issue episodes of that Hulk comic with um, Abomination <laughs> as the uh, the creative writing teacher, and 
And then that's when I was like, yeah, I kind of am starting to see what people are complaining about with John Romita Jr. Bam, out the window, gone. Erase that episode. Like, completely forget everything I said. He's incredible here. This is so good. Do, do you, are you like also on board with JRJR here? Because like, I mean, I think probably not as much. Like, like I off. think it was <laughs> very good. I don't know, like, why, why did you laugh so much? I just think, like, he captures such good... I mean, I think, like, there's just so much more care put in his drawings yeah. here than in the Hulk. Like, it doesn't seem like he rushed through it. Um, but I think he just draws a great Spider-Man. He draws, like, it's very... Um, the, the fights, I think, are some of the best we've seen from Spider-Man because he's not doing a Ditko thing where it's um, kind of trying to capture, like this athleticism and like movement and like this fluid movement it's more like the, the thing that's happening with Morlin is Morlin's this like unstoppable force that Spider-Man just cannot like he's just fighting and fighting and fighting and Morlin cannot be put down and Spider-Man's getting more exhausted and so John Renita Jr. the way he like shows that is just through a single like a splash page montage of like Moreland and Spider-Man overlaying like eight versions of the two of them fighting together in just like yeah. various moments. Um, and it really sells the like exhaustion and the like the time frame of this. It feels like, you know, so much of the battle all just placed on one frame instead of trying to like stretch it out over like panel by panel just shows yeah. like the time passing. I think it really sells the like exhaustion and the um yeah, the intensity of this fight. Um, I, I really appreciate that. It also looks, it's inked really well. I, I wish I had the, actually I do have the inker here. Scott Hanna and then Dan Kemp coloring. Um, I also want to point out the coloring is digital coloring. And I think it's the first time we've read in my marvelous year where I've noticed like, oh, that's a digital coloring. And I think it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sure we've read comics that have had good digital coloring before, but I've never noticed like them and sod. Oh, that's good. That's like a good use of being able to use digital coloring for like gradients and for uh, I don't know whatever whatever else they use the digital coloring for. Yeah, um, I mean I think that's very but... fair. I like it's easy to take for granted uh, John Romita Jr. like doing good Spider Man because like he's been doing it since the eighties and he's still doing it in twenty twenty three. Like he's he was just in like for the past year he's been doing it again with Zeb Wells. So like it doesn't feel as special, I guess. And plus with this, like I've known this coming for the past like 15 years at this point. So like, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, right, I, yeah, yeah. it's I very like, it's very, very well done, very efficient. And to be fair, like some of those panels are like ingrained in my mind because they're some of the first panels I've ever read. And like, I very much remember them because they're, they're really, really good. And I think he draws a very good, like some of the, some of the criticism against like Romita Jr. like in more more modern comics is like he has a very blocky style. But here I think mm -hmm. he he does a very good job of having Spider-Man be as dynamic as he needs to be. And like he's he does a very good Aunt May. Like and I think this is the mm -hmm. yeah, is we'll, this we'll the actual sort of like sure. young younger Aunt, Aunt May? Because like she was mm -hmm. still kind of at death's door in the nineties, but here she's like <laughs> she's she's what, like sixteen now? Like she, she lost twenty years <laughs> yeah, in, the, yeah, yeah. in a few in a few yeah. comics. Yeah, sixty, sixty. Yeah, I, I want to get to Aunt May, but before I think John Romita Jr. One, I think it's like we just haven't seen Spider Man look good in a long time yeah. either. Like, yeah, I think that's like true. The, the it just hasn't looked good, and and this feels so fresh to me, and it doesn't feel dated either. Like reading Ultimate Spider Man looks 
somewhat dated to me as good as that comic does look oftentimes um i think some of it looks a little like oh yeah that's a comic from like 2000 i don't i don't think this looks that dated um god i'm looking at that splash page of spider-man and morlin fighting and it's just like yeah. an all-timer it's so good um he also i mean a good, i think like, maybe the difference is ramira is at the same time anchored in the very 80s style but then like he's been doing it for so long that it feels kind of timeless whereas like he's he's uh, adapted yeah ultimate spider-man yeah. style like is so recent that it's like its age shows all the more like it's kind of a, an uncanny valley mm-hmm. effect um, and like also with Ultimate well, Spider-Man, you have the comparison with like early issues with Bagley it. that feel very 2000, but then like the later issues with um, Sarah Pacelli and uh, what's the name of the other artist that takes over. Um, I can remember like um, later issues that the same run feel way more modern. So you have that comparison too. Like Pas- Pasquese? Pasquese? David Marquez, I think. Marquez, you're right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I said. Yep, sure. Marquese. <laughs> But a quiz. Uh, he he draws a really good like dark Spider-Man too. He does like a great nighttime yeah. New York City with Spider-Man. Like it's moody and like the lighting, especially with the digital coloring, I think actually really adds like nice lighting, like billowing up from behind buildings, but like lots of silhouettes. And Spider-Man is kind of a more formidable like physical force because yeah. I don't think, unlike Bagley, who draws. I I mean I love that's one thing I unequivocally adore about Bagley Spider-Man is how like. Acrobat- acrobatic he seems he's got like yeah. a gymnast's body and here he doesn't he's kind of got like a brawler's like physique and but I he's think, definitely more like i a, think that's a, a very Bruce good Lee here yeah i think it's also very good to like as characterization for peter because like ultimate spider-man is like what he's 14 when he starts out like he's small mm-hmm. and tiny and like he it works better to have him be more athletic but also look tiny in the costume like you see the you see him in the costume and he looks like he's 13 here like this is a this is very much a 30 35 year old uh peter parker mm-hmm. which like yeah. even when it's oh, no kind of the, there's canonically he's like 28 here which is yeah really ridiculous, sh- sure right? like, sure it's so crazy but like that they won't it let him... feels like he's a he's like a 35 year old um, which like hasn't been the case at all in six one six yet, and I really appreciate yeah. that, and I I like that it can show in his fighting style and in how he looks like he's still like athletic and everything, like he's still swinging through the city, but he also like he's more muscular, he's more more like you said more of a brawler, and I, I like that evolution for for Spidey, and I th- I like that him being older also shows in him fighting and not just in what has in what's happening for his uh, Peter Parker life. I, yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm sorry. I got distracted because I'm trying to find out how old he is canonically now. I mean, he's, <laughs> what, he was like he's 15 like, when he started out. He's probably like 25 canonically. I think he's like 30 now canonically in 616, which is absurd. In 2022, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like now he's I 30 mean, years old. You know That's what? It's nothing. even more absurd if, because of Spider-Verse, because Spider-Verse did like 40-year-old Peter Parker so well. That it's hard mm-hmm. to see him like, oh, right. well, that man otherwise not now. Forty. Oh my God, you're so young. That you think <laughs> <laughs> that the uh, I don't Peter know, like B. Parker, and that is 40. more ad- fully adults like Peter Parker. And, yeah, like, he's dad like Peter Parker. There, I guess thirty six. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, late thirties, if you want. Charlotte, let me ask you a question. I'm listening. Okay, D- do you let me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I let you. Okay, I, thank you. I thank allow you, you this. Thank you, Gift, Your Majesty. I guess. <laughs> Do you drink coffee, Charlotte? No, I don't. Oh, damn it. No. <laughs> say yes. Say yes. Say you used to drink coffee. Yes, I definitely do enjoy the, the black beans beverage. 
<laughs> Sorry, when I, when I'm improvising, I slip into uh, alterations. <laughs> Just imagining you like sitting down with a, a can of black beans and yep. <laughs> stewing them in water for a while and going, mm, "I love coffee." <laughs> I sure do. Well, if, if if you love coffee, and by what you say, you definitely do. Yep. I've got the coffee brand for you. It's Four Sigmatic. Uh, they make excellent mushroom-infused coffees. Now, these mushrooms, they're going to boost your brain. They're going to boost your attention. They're going to uh, give you energy. And according to Dave, they won't give you jitters. I haven't experienced the lack of jitters, but yep. that's something that he, <laughs> he feels about those. Um, four, four Sigmatic Coffee. I can't speak to the mushroom aspect, but I can say this is really good coffee. And I, <laughs> the, the probably the highest praise I can give it is since they sent me a sample pack, um, I actually went on and bought three bags of coffee to try different varieties uh, just with my own money because I really like this stuff. Uh, it's very good coffee for the price. Um, they It brews nicely. It's a very nice, smooth cup of coffee. Uh, I make it with my little mini french press i make it with my pour over and uh i've been really enjoying it um you can get 20 percent, 30 percent off if you use the code mmy at checkout so if you go to go.forsigmatic that's spelled out f-o-r f-o-u-r sigmatic.com slash my marvelous year and use uh the code mmy that will all be in the show notes uh you can get 30 percent off your first order and uh i definitely recommend it charlotte how many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Oh, I don't drink any because I'm too scared there'll be smurfs in it. You know, because smurfs live in, in mushrooms. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, to <laughs> eat less meat and, like, smurfs in my beverage. That doesn't sound great. Um, oh, sorry. No, I, I drink uh, 15 cups of coffee a day. Is that that's, that's a good number, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. if you're, you got to get on this Four Sigmatic train, Charlotte, yep. with 15 cups of coffee a day, that's the, your brain's going to be unstoppable. Um how do you let me ask you more questions about your coffee consumption now that I know that you love <laughs> Please it? Please do. Um, so, how do you drink it? What, what, well, wait, first of all, what, what grind are you doing on those beans? You oh, the daily grind, grind, maybe. You're doing a fine grind. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, what temperature are you, you brewing at? You go in the full boil, you're doing 195. Oh, oh exactly God, zero degrees Celsius. Uh, like just on the tip of freezing, that's the perfect uh, temperature. <laughs> they do have a cold brew. Uh, I, I have a bag of their stuff that's made nice. for cold brew. Accidental segue, perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually do want to ask you. So you don't, you don't actually drink coffee. We're out of the ad now. Ads over. Go to go slash. Or, oh my God. Go dot sigmatic dot com slash my rose here. Code my rose here. We're out of the ad now. Charlotte, what do you drink instead of coffee? Do you drink caffeine at all? I, I mean, in like Coke, sure. Uh, but like, I for mm. hot for like hot beverages, I mostly drink hot chocolates. Uh, either uh, with. Yeah, what? What's your problem? What's your problem with hot chocolate, man? <laughs> it's so funny to me. It's so funny that a hot chocolate is an everyday. It's just like I just picture you. Yeah, like, it is. Every day at like eleven a.m., being like, "Why do I feel like crap today?" It probably has nothing to do with the fact that I drank four hundred calories of pure sugar and saturated fats this morning. Every no, morning. I feel like crap because of my mental health. It doesn't have anything to do with hot chocolate. <laughs> with the massive amounts of daily like sugar i just that's so much sugar every day um, i don't know like is that, is that normal in france or you what are do you, you mean wait sugar like it's like th there's not that much sugar in milk and like it's just dark chocolate like i, I it's not like oh, it's like cocoa powder and hot milk. yeah basically mm. Mm. 
I mean, sometimes I add sugar in it. You know what the perfect way of drinking it during winter is? You put like like cocoa powder at the bottom, a bit of cinnamon, Mm. and then you add the milk, and it's perfect. Oh. That's Mexican. It's a Mexican hot chocolate. I guess so. Yeah, it's just yeah. Well, nice cinnamon and cinnamon, sometimes a little pinch of cayenne pepper in there. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's good. Just a little little tingly spice. But hmm. that's interesting. Are you normal? <laughs> um, <laughs> what a question to ask. A person. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, are you? <laughs> is this something your friends partake in? Like, are you the? Are, do other people in your age cohort also drink a cup of chocolate every morning? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it is more like wide widespread to drink coffee or tea. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, sure. Because the caffeine, like, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. But like, people drink hot chocolate like for mm-hmm. either either in the morning or like for like at at four p.m. stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. just to take a break in the afternoon. So yeah. You'll have, to, you'll have to send me your exact recipe, because I'm curious. Maybe I'll try it your way. <laughs> it's, it's cocoa and milk, man. That's not a recipe. A recipe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. That doesn't sound Oat like milk is I really good for hot chocolate, too. Yeah, yeah, it's nice and creamy. Um, Okay, well, forsigmatic.com slash my rosy. Back to the Perfect show. ad. Okay, so, oh, Aunt May. Let's talk about Aunt May. She yeah, speaking is, of age. it has... Yeah, <laughs> it has shaken off, and I think this is such a level up for Aunt May. It's such a glam up. <laughs> yeah. Her. So for everyone um, listening, hi the kids. Uh, um, Zach is gonna talk, start talking about his crush on Aunt May, and he's gonna get nasty. It's finally time. Aunt May's hot again. We yep. can all admit it. I was right all along. I, you know, what? I completely forgot about this bit until like <laughs> what brought it up. It was. Very recently, someone in the Slack was like, "Yeah, I think it was so recent like, that you talked about it on the latest episode." Did I? Okay, because I was like, <laughs> I think someone teased me about it, and I was like, "Aunt May, I forgot all about like that." I used to joke about being yep. hot for Aunt May, um, but now it's not a joke because this this wildcat's purring or something. Yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, so sorry. Do Do you think I meant when I said wildcat? Do you think I meant me or Aunt May? Because both I don't want to know, honestly. Um, <laughs> She's, uh, they, they basically have, I, I wonder if this was inspired by Ultimate Spider-Man, because she's basically, like, you know, just a senior citizen, right? Right, yeah. like, legally I was gonna speaking, say movies, but no, because, like, Raimi, Raimi, uh, Aunt May is way older than this. Yeah, like, Raimi she's more stuck 90s to, like, an elderly than, woman. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, the, besides the age thing, like, the age thing's fine, whatever, that's just a visual thing. The point that really matters is that... Aunt May is no longer, like, a doddering old, like, uh, I don't know, like, nosy, like, oh, Peter, you'll catch a cold, right? Like, she's a yeah. adult woman with a brain, right? She's no longer, like, a joke senior citizen. I mean, and, <laughs> I like, guess, she's or... no longer, like, Peter's grandmother, which she functionally was. Like, here she's, she's a cool aunt. Like, she fulfills that. Or mom, right? She's, like, literally yeah, just, yeah, like, sure. his mother who's, like... Trying to give him advice, like actual life advice, instead of like, you know, like, oh, Peter, make sure you're home by 7 p.m. I don't like the look of those clouds. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like just completely like stupid things to tell a 25 year old. And then also like, her, him... also her like doubts and like her, her being suspicious of Spider-Man feels more real and with more stakes. And because also she found out that Peter is Spidey, but then like. Just as a whole, her being more more of an actual character makes it feel more real than when she's like scared of Spidey in seventies comics. And it's just like, it's okay, true, Aunt May, yeah. go back to bed. 
Yeah, because if we had, you know, if the end of this arc, which ends with her, like Spider-Man, Peter Parker's been dealing with Morlin, he's, and, and actually, I want to get back to that a little bit, but um, he's been dealing with Morlin, and he's like out of contact, and he calls her with like a kind of a, a goodbye, worried that he's going to die here, and she's worried, he goes off the map, and then she comes to his apartment after he defeats Morlin, and he's all beaten up, and he's passed out on his bed, and she finds him with the Spider-Man costume, and he doesn't know. And the last issue we're reading here is her, like, vanishing while she's just, like, off clutching the Spider-Man costume in the park thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what we're going to read next for our next episode. And Spider-Man is the, like, you know, the confrontation here. Very excited for that. But I think you're right that if she had still been kind of the, like, hysterical, somewhat senile old lady, yeah. and then this had happened, it wouldn't, like, have the impact it does here where, like, we've seen her being kind of a considered adult for many episodes or many issues. And then, yeah, because she, you know, she never really had a relationship with Peter. Like, now she does, but she used to just be a problem for him, but they didn't have, yeah. like... It yeah. wasn't a mutual yeah, relationship, really. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it has become, in a few issues, way more interesting than it ever has. It's crazy how... M- <laughs> it's one of the funniest things about being, like, worried about canonicity in comics is the way that, like, you can have, at this point, something like close to 40 years of a character be one way and then over the course of six issues you just entirely like tweak their personality and you know like and it just is works and it's fine you can just be like oh yeah aunt may just started being smart now and like we're like yeah she's a better character it just it kind of just throws the like you know gives light the lie of like oh well i hate this because it has changed canon for so long yeah like if it's a good adjustment to the canon it's a good adjustment to the canon it's just you know sometimes it's a bad adjustment to the canon but the fact that it just changes canon is fine and you know it happens all the time of course um in these comics yeah anyway i it's a great choice like <laughs> i do have in my notes here just aunt may smart uh that's how i sum this one up <laughs> yeah <laughs> i want to talk about good summary um the other thing i wanted to mention is the moreland thing i was talking is this like unstoppable immortal force coming after spider-man and it's like once he touched spider-man he will never stop he will never stop coming he will never stop coming for spider-man um <laughs> yep it's very juggernaut in a way like it's very it's very modernized and more like serious juggernauts but but fun. the actual comparison to it is not to for me it doesn't it actually it does feel a little bit like was it x-men 13 that like yeah. introduction of juggernaut it feels a little bit like that but for Spider-Man comics, I think it feels much more like the "If This Be My Destiny." No, that's that's not right. That's the thing. What's the "If This Be My it? Destiny" is like him under in, under the rubble? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what's the thing one that I'm mixing uh, it up with? Where it's... the thing goes into? He's got like the thing clone in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you monster something. I think monster. Oh, this man, this monster. This man, this monster. Yeah, okay. man, this monster. Yeah. So yes, it's it's "If This Be My Destiny" because it has that like it evokes that incredible thing. That, like, it's really hard to get in a Spider-Man comic. But Dave and I talked about this way early on in the podcast that we're both a big fan of this. That kind of, like, superhero stepping up to the plate. They cannot... They are, you know, beaten down. They've hit the wall. And then they stand up one more time. Yeah. To, you know, I can keep... I can do this all day. Like, just fighting past when they are beat and just continuing, like, through sheer willpower. And this really, really evokes that in Spider-Man the way that Moreland just cannot be stopped and he just keeps fighting and keeps fighting and then he runs and tries to catch his breath and he just like has to just keep fighting him. I think it works so well. Like 
it builds up the threat of Moreland really well, and then it just, like, keeps hammering Spider-Man with it. And for me, it's, like, the most fun I've had with the Spider-Man comic in a really long time because of yeah. that feeling. Um, yeah, I think I think it's very excellent. Um, it's very excellent. It's very excellent. <laughs> it's yeah, sure. I'm a very I'm <laughs> no, good, I think, good critic. No, I think it builds up a sense of threat so well mm-hmm. because like in the 90s everyone's like oh this is my new oc that's like the biggest bad guy you've ever seen and he's gonna destroy the hero and it's like it gets tiring and it doesn't feel real ever um mm-hmm. but here like in a few issues Molin is the scariest with like one of the scariest we've ever seen uh a, a Spider-Man villain, like he, we actually feel like Peter might lose and lose bad this time. Um, yeah, like that he might just get killed by this guy. Right? Yeah, or at least like when yeah. he called Aunt May to say his goodbyes, like it feels real in a way that it wouldn't mm-hmm. in like '96 uh, Spider-Man comics. Um, and I think I think the way he builds that is really canny. He does it through another character, right? He builds it through Ezekiel Sims, who comes in and like himself establishes himself like you get to know ezekiel he's not just like um the silver surfer or i'm trying to think of another like herald of a bad guy or something who has no personality like ezekiel sims is like a man we get to know and kind of trust like he wants to help spider-man and then like warn him of this and then the other factor is that morlin himself is kind of interesting i think if morlin was just like a silent evil dude <laughs> it wouldn't be quite as compelling but like he's kind of a weirdo um yeah like he keeps going he goes out to dinner and he keeps like having weird banter with his like underling um and he like makes jokes to him he talks about like food and fashion and like he's uh he's not like it's not comedic but like he definitely is kind of like an odd guy with a personality yeah, um, and it feels like there's a whole deal there, like there's something, yeah. but we it's not really teased that there's something bigger behind him. Um, and it's, it right. will be yeah. interesting to see just... how, uh, how it develops. And yeah, like it's weird. He has this underling that's like kind of also a victim because he's just like, he can't leave or Molin will just kill him. Uh, like well, it's very, um, what's the guy in uh, Jonathan Harker in Dracula, I think is like clearly what yeah. it's uh, evoking here. Is it, is that it, that guy's... Rainfield? Yeah, I think that's Isn't, oh, I, yes, I Renfeld. Renfeld. Yes, Renfeld. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, Parker's the, the main guy, I think. But yeah, it's very Renfeld to his Dracula. Um, yeah. Anyway. And we, then we and he also kills, <laughs> like, German Captain America, I think, at the beginning. Like, with oh, the. See, I don't remember that. Because, like. Oh, yeah, he does kill I think he's right. maybe one of the totems. Like, he has a big eagle on his uh, on his chest. On his chest. Maybe he's, mm-hmm. like, an eagle totem. Uh, but yeah, he's like, I know there's a weird joke about like whoever heard about whoever heard of a German superhero. They don't quite know mm-hmm. what that means. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, true. Who's ever heard of a German superhero? Oh, you've never heard about? Oh, I can't pronounce this. <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce German. But like, it's Captain Germany, basically. Ho Hoftman Deutschland. Sorry, Johannes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to get our German listener in here. Okay. I have one other note here, and it's a whole big thing. I think I'm going to put a pin into it until next time we talk about this. Um, I'm just going to say it's <laughs> it's a trope, a racist trope that I think JMS is doing here that I'm calling the token white guy. <laughs> um, and it's too, it's too much to get into here, but we'll talk about it maybe okay. next time in a couple episodes here. Um, just a little tease for something that I've been thinking about. Um, Wait, I don't even remember what that's does. in reference to. Exactly. No one does, but uh, I'll explain it next time. I think you and I are recording about this tomorrow, so for you, okay. you only have to wait a day. Uh, our listeners will have to wait a couple more weeks. Yeah. Um, 
we we got to move on because we have like three more series to cover. Yeah, sure. I mean, we like just last thing we haven't even talked about the fact that yeah. like Peter Parker is moving on to be a teacher at his own at his old school. And, like, oh yeah, great. That's also yeah, a very fun thing to do with that character and making him actually grow up and be an adult. Um, mm-hmm. I think like there's a lot of fun stuff here with like him recalling his childhood in that in that school and giving a chance to the kids at the school well, shooter. Yeah, who <laughs> shows up? And Spider-Man just Basically. goes like there, but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> that could have been me one day. <laughs> yeah, the I feel like that is what weird, he's trying. Yeah. To, it's what he's trying to evoke there, and it's it's very. I don't think that works at all. I think okay. It, here's something I will say. I think every time JMS talks about actual social issues, it has it's pretty tinnered. Um, I, I mean, the, we haven't even talked about the 9-11 issue. We got we to gotta talk about it. I forgot about it, but we have yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> so right in the middle of this run, 9-11 happens. And they have one issue where they're like, you know, we apologize for the break in our normal story, but we just have to talk about 9-11. Like, we can't let this go unremarked. Um, as a non-American, what is your perception of this, Charlotte? Um. When I first read it, like, five, year, five years ago, I thought it was, like, a very... I don't know, I thought it was good and, like, touching, I guess. Uh, now rereading it, I'm like, oh, this is something, I guess. I don't know, it's, it does, maybe you, you disagree. I, it doesn't feel, like, outwardly offensive or anything, but it's just, like, kind of weird. Like, Kingpin and Magneto and Doctor Doom crying in the rubble of uh, the, the towers is... I don't know, weird? Like, you didn't have you to do that, Marvel? about mm, classic French opinion that you think that crying over 9-11 is quote-unquote weird. Yeah, Dr. Doom crying is... about an American building being destroyed and Americans <laughs> okay, being killed I... is kind of weird. I agree. I think that that's easily the worst, like, the stupidest thing in this comic. I think, like, in the actual content of this comic is Dr. Doom... And, like, all the villains showing up, especially the Doctor Doom crying thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, Magneto, fine. Yeah, like, I guess Magneto makes Ma- sense. Yeah. Uh, Kingpin and Doctor Doom? Because Magneto, it's like... Yeah, yeah. Especially Doctor Doom crying. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Okay. I I expected... I wanted to come into this and just, like, joke on it and, like, completely tear it up. It's totally nothing, right? Like, it's very much, yeah. like... It's empty platitudes. It's very, like... The the embarrassing thing about this comic, and it is embarrassing, is that they felt like they had to say something. That's the part that's a problem, is that they're like, we cannot let this go unspoken. We have to write a whole issue bolstering the world with our thoughts about this. Yeah. Even though we don't really have any thoughts except, like, we will not be beaten down. We will not capitulate. Like, that's basically all it is. Like, we will reunite and humanity will be okay. It's It's just very empty, kind of ideologically blank platitudes that you know don't really say anything but just kind of are a general like this was sad we will continue and i'm kind of just like i don't know just the fact that they they feel that self-serious that they're like we have to address 9-11 is is the part to me that is silly um at least like in this way in the immediate you know marvel's the world outside your window if they want to talk about it eventually that makes sense but like the month after it happens for them to have to say like this has to be talked about and addressed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, like, anyway, part of me is also, like, I wasn't... Like, I was one-year-old when 9-11 happened. I don't remember what it was like, like, the week of, especially in the US. Mm-hmm. I feel like... I, I'm sure there was some part of it that was also, like, maybe cathartic for, for, for the people who... I don't, who that's what I mean, like... I don't know, like... 
Is it I, 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 mean, I, I genuinely don't I know. 13, like, like, I yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't. It, that's what I mean. Like, I, I that's that's the embarrassing part. Is I think that they feel like they're gonna give some hope or some strength to people through this comic, and I'm like, do you really like? It would be like us feeling like we had to do that, right? Like, I mean, we're you know, it, it's kind of like if a big event happens in the world, like. Do we talk? Do we, as a podcast, have to be like we have to address this? We have to make sure you know people hear our thoughts on every event because we have something to say, and especially yeah. in this when he doesn't really have anything to say except like you know we will persevere, which is just the message that everyone was saying at the time. I and mean, so. yeah, but also like this is Spider-Man comics, like it's so tied to New York and yeah. what's going on with New York. Like I feel like it would be weird not addressing it at all. Um, but yeah, I guess. I I, yeah. No, I, I, I but do I also know. don't I, know I do if there is a that, right, right way of doing it, especially the like two months afterwards. I mean, maybe a page or two, <laughs> yeah, maybe like a know. page. I mean, a page of like everyone at the Marvel office, you know, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the whatever. Like if they really feel you have to talk about it, but like having to talk about it in universe with their superheroes, yeah. it almost. I mean, I feel like it feels almost like offensive that they'd be like, "This is such a big deal that Doctor it made Doctor Doom cry." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that's the part that feels so tactless um anyway it's not, the thing is like it's basically about as boring and generic as you would think it's it's not it's not egregiously like offensive or cringy for the most part it's mostly just that like it even exists and they're just yeah. like we have to read this at least to me i mean your mileage may vary i'm sure some people read it and are like no it's fine what are you talking about so um you know i i get it um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't believe Dave didn't want to be on the episode for this one. <laughs> um, Spider-Man Tangled Web. I don't think we'll have too much to say about this one. Even though I think it's pretty good. Tangled Web is this um, spinoff that was going for like three years. It didn't go very long. It only went 22 issues, which I think is too bad because it's a very fun little side series of yeah. like one to three issue arcs of... Um, like little side stories in the Spider-Man universe, which is a nice way of dealing with this. So it's like we had one issue that is a, um, a Greg Rucka, Eduardo Rizzo um, drawn Kingpin story, uh, which I think is very good. And it feels yeah. very like Eduardo Rizzo is such a cool artist. Um, he's the guy who does 99 bullets and his art style works so well here um, with this like crime story. And, uh, and it's just a story about like how ruthless Kingpin is. And it's very effective um and then the second one is two issues about the rhino <laughs> and flowers for rhino evoking flowers for algernon uh, have you read that book about nope the, uh... it's uh for me it's literally just the lyrics to a 90s french song <laughs> that's it oh really it's yeah. just a book about a, uh, a a developmentally disabled guy who gets uh like a experimental treatment that makes him you know incredibly smart and okay. then he slowly loses his intelligence and like it's it's a book you read in high school and you're like wow this this really says something okay <laughs> um it's a tearjerker um anyway this is peter mulligan and milligan and duncan figredo figredo i think um and uh it's fun it's like the rhino i mean this this actually kind of gives like shows how silly flowers for algernon is because it does like a very similar version of it and it's very it sticks right to the book but it like Kind of just makes it funny instead of deeply serious. Yeah, it's very <laughs> dumb, but it's kind of fun. Um, I know it's it yeah. didn't stick to my mind as much as the Kingpin issue did. Like it's a fine, fun minor story. Like Rhino is Loki, one of my favorite 
like spidey villains like he's not one of the like green goblin or dr octopus like he's not the guy that's gonna have the the big spidey villain story but like he's a mm-hmm. just a very fun character to play with um mm-hmm. like there's a there's a very good uh i think i've talked about this before but there's a very good hulk rhino issue in the peter david run where they're like both senna molten as uh it's very fun um but yeah oh, that i don't does know fun yeah yeah rhino rhino's fun it wasn't that good but it was okay the the kingpin yeah, story but... is really really fun the like it's i think a... the kingpin story is a great kingpin story i think yeah. this is like a fun two issues you know the, the art style is really funny i think uh for Grado's art is really fun and funny yeah. um the way he draws rhino um and you know just about rhino being kind of dissatisfied god the hell of living in that suit can you imagine like, I mean, yeah, that's also the part that I think maybe that was my favorite part, like it being taken seriously that that's a guy in a hell of a like in a living prison. Like that's I mean, that's a very it, it, good it idea. Very, it does. It thankfully doesn't bring up like the bathroom issue because I, how what, what's <laughs> happening there? Like, I don't know. Do maybe th- it disappears. <laughs> Hopefully. I don't know. He's, maybe he's bigger tank. every time we see him. <laughs> Because that suit's just <laughs> that suit is just ninety percent sewage <laughs> in there. God. He's a he's a regular sized man uh, in a stretchy <laughs> suit. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, I, I'm glad to read this. We're reading a few more of these tangled webs next year. I don't know what they're going to be about because, like every like I said, every arc's about different um, different characters. So uh, it should be fun. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. D- Dave wrote in his notes here. Uh, his favorite rhino story of them all, which I can't imagine is like, you know, a stacked list. So I, I, I guess this is my favorite rhino story. Too, but I think I there's, think of... <laughs> I haven't read it, but I've heard of one other rhino story that's like an actual real tearjerker. I can't remember when it's like, I, I can't imagine it's very far away in the reading. Like, I don't know if mm. we're going to read it, but I feel like it's a, it's a early 2000 thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm mixing things up in my mind, but I, I think oh, there's another big, uh, Dave big rhino know story somewhere. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, it, it's very cute. Um, Black Widow Breakdown, which is just listed as Black Widow 2001, three-issue arc in Marvel Unlimited. Took me a while to find it. Is a uh, three-issue miniseries, Greg Rucka and Scott Hampton on pencils, inks, colors. Because uh, I actually don't know if it's pencils. It's like watercolored. Um, yeah. Or not inked, I think. Um, it's got a little bit of the like, um, Storenko, not Storenko, um, my god um the uh, <laughs> please charlotte save me <laughs> no who are you talking about the frank miller love and war and electro assassin sinkovich sinkovich thank yeah. you god um i just got Starenko stuck in my head and i couldn't yeah, like, <laughs> remember a little bit of that when uh sinkovich is not doing big wild stuff like um when he's doing like more sedate watercolors um it's very pretty and it is a it's not technically the first Yelena Belova story. I think like she was in humans. Was, yeah, yeah. Someone was pointing out that she's been here before, um, but I don't know. For all intents and purposes, this feels like a, <laughs> a pretty good intro to this character. Yeah. Um, a character I did not know about until watching the Black Widow movie. I've never heard of this character before. Um, but Greg Rucka is someone I haven't read too much of besides. Um, it's called Lazarus. is a uh, a series that he has been writing for years and is slowly churning through, which is quite good. He's he's known as like the female comic writer or the writer of comics about women. 
that that's like the reputation Greg Rucka has. Like, is it in oh the same God, way that Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon was known as the guy who wrote uh, <laughs> movies and Femini- TV shows about women? The guy who who introduced feminism to yep. us in uh, <laughs> in public uh-huh. uh, mass media. No, um, but like, oh no, I read Gotham Central. Gotham Central is great. Um, Didn't he I mean, do a Wonder you know, Woman? Run that's pretty yeah. So like well Wonder regarded. Woman and Elektra are like two yeah, of his okay. big notable series, right? And it was like this is the guy who knows finally knows how to write female superheroes, and he probably does. Like I, I haven't read them. I can't say like I, yeah. I don't want to tease too much about that. Um, but like those Queen and Country, he's a very notable writer. Um, and what I've read, I guess I've really liked because uh, Detective Comics or um, Gotham Central is excellent. Uh, he writes a three little three issue thing here. It's fine. I don't know. <laughs> this is like a passable way to spend twenty minutes. <laughs> I guess I would say. Yeah. Uh, it introduces you to Yelena. It kind of sets up Black Widow. It doesn't do anything too interesting, but it also doesn't. It it's uh, Black Widow and Yelena. Black Widow switches minds with Yelena, so they're in each other's bodies, and then like no, it's dimmer than that. They both get f- perfect facial surgery. Oh, but man. then it's it's walked back like they do it again at the end to get back their original face. It's just it's just face off. Like face yeah, off? it's a magical face. I haven't seen face off, yeah. but I kind of want to see it. You should you should watch face off. I think there's a new face off. Like that's gonna I don't know. I it think there's a face off. The super. first one, first one's extremely funny. Um, yeah. Ooh, who should be who should do film. a new face off? Like who should be the two actors instead of uh, of Nicolas Cage and who was the other one? Oh, John Travolta. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. Me and Harry Styles. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's... Uh, I think everyone would have to agree. That's very good fan casting. Yep. Um, anyway. Uh, oh God, what was I saying? I'm really... I know. Black Widow's fine. Mind. <laughs> yeah. So the, I, the thing is, like, it, this is Black Widow's plan to, like, try to win over Yelena and, like, snap her out of her you know russian brainwashing uh that yeah. she is you know she's such a soviet fangirl <laughs> um and uh it's fine the the thing i appreciate about this is that it's very much a it, it it's definitely trying to faint towards doing a like allegorical you know like waking up in your enemy's skin and like living your enemy's life and then you know killing your se- like yeah. Not, not killing yourself in a suicide way, but, like, putting your past behind you by, like, killing your past by shooting yourself, right? Like, it's, it's trying, you know, it's doing But it's also not weird this, enough like... for that to work. Like, it would work in something like Electro Assassin because you'd never quite know what's going on exactly. But here, mm-hmm. like, it's way too, I don't know, normal, boring for it to work. Because, like, she'll just ask me, I... wait, how... Yeah. Why does she yeah. think she's Natasha outside of the fact that she woke up looking like her? Um, well, yeah, she kind of thinks that she is missing something, that she's been drugged. Like, initially, yeah. she's, like, because res- Daredevil comes in, and initially, she's extremely resistant, and then they're, like, saying that she's, like, she's she's worried that she's going to blow her own cover, so she starts playing along, because she's yeah. like, oh, no, I'm in a situation I don't understand. I should just play along until I figure out what's happening. Um, I don't know. That that tracks for me okay. I, I do. I don't think it's the strongest uh, material. No, like, definitely not. You said an Electro Assassin, but I, what I was going to say is I appreciate... That Rucka doesn't ever make a joke about it, and he never. This is just something that I feel like nine out of ten writers doing the same kind of story would like at some point have Yelena think to herself, like, "Man, I feel like I'm in a you know Franz Kafka novel right now," or like, 
this whole situation is a little too like allegorical for me like killing my own killing myself while i'm wearing my enemy's skin yeah like i'm seeing freaking dragons i'm talking to a cuff like that kind of god yeah uh, that kind of thing so (laughs) yep it's yeah i just appreciate like that he takes it kind of seriously so even if this is i'm sure (laughs) extremely minor rucka um you can see that the guy has some like talent here so i'm uh i'm excited to to read more of his stuff i i don't know what else he's gonna do for marvel um i think he does some captain america doesn't he do some some defenders or am i missing that up i don't know i don't know i think he's mostly a dc guy um i mean he just did that kingpin issue we read which is you know the stronger of his two (laughs) things here he does write ultimate daredevil and electra uh which i kind of think is pretty mid um I, I got, I got oh, some yeah, flack for that on very Mile boring. Um, yeah, yeah he I don't does know. I, I got a little pushback on that, but I, especially he did some Star I, you know Wars what? Actually, stuff recently. Yeah, I I do remember. I got a little pushback because I actually thought the like feminism angle of that felt a little like um, clumsy, and I was like, yeah. "This is the guy who's like, I write women." <laughs> um, oh yeah, but uh, not not everyone agrees. Some people, some people that resonates with. So, um, okay, finally. Um, and just to be clear, I kind of like everything we're reading here. I love the Spider-Man. I think it's great. And then I love, or I like everything else. Like, we had a very good batch here. Yeah, it's just like, um, the only thing that's very, very much standing out is uh, the 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 Straczynski Amazing Spider-Man stuff. Like, Black Widow, yeah, I, think I don't have much. Yeah, I think that will stand yeah. out to me. Yeah, but yeah. I, but yeah, I, like, the Black I Widow agree. stuff, I don't have much to say, except that I've had the... Opening to JoJo Part Four in my head ever since I've read it because it's called Breakdown and it's Breakdown Breakdown and that sucks in my head and that's oh, all yeah, I have to say about that. That's a great theme, yeah. Mm, <laughs> yep, that's a great JoJo's. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, JoJo's uh, has all bangers for for openings. Um, how far are you in JoJo's now? I'm. We're close to finishing uh, Part Five. Like, cool. and I'm cool. really excited for for Part Six. Like, I want to to see Parts, Jolene. I I fell off Part Four bored the hell out of me which i think yeah. is not the oh yeah the no i really like this is that four yeah most people really like four five won me back a little bit and then six really won me back with uh, oh, cool. jolene so like okay. six is six is a blast so um if you're not watching jojo's if you're out there not watching jojo's what are you doing what are you doing with your yeah life? just watch um, the opening and you'll want to watch the rest honestly. so much fun Okay. Okay. Uh, Black Panther. We're getting back into Christopher the Priest run. Um, I kind of thought Dave was just gonna throw in like, like a mini series or something, but no. This is just three issue, a three issue arc from the middle of the Black Panther run, which I was worried about jumping back into one because as we continue to read the Priest Black Panther run, it definitely diminished. I think in all of our minds. I think for all three of us, we kind of felt it falling off. (laughs) Yeah. Just book friends. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's okay <laughs> i'm surprised that doesn't happen more often yeah you know? same um and two uh it's a complicated comic right like priest always has a ton of threads up going at once and the narrative is jumping in time and like the whatever like it, it's a it's kind of a messy book that you have to really and like. martin freeman is here for some reason and martin yeah. freeman's here for some reason um <laughs> but no this this i think kind of worked i think this was fun i think this um it was easy enough to jump in and like feel like i hit the ground running and knew what was going on and i kind of dug this and it kind of made me be like well maybe i should give the rest of this run a chance i'm not going to uh yeah soon but like <laughs> uh i mean i there's so many comics I, <laughs> i'm trying to give time to but like th- this at least made me be like okay well maybe you know in any run there's some stinkers and like maybe just after what we read it kind of goes downhill and then it gets its footing again 
Yeah. Um, I, I mean, th- I'm not going to say this was the most engaging, but I think, and and I, but I want to blame that a little bit on like my marvelous year syndrome of like jumping into. Yeah, runs we didn't. Here and we there. definitely didn't read enough of the run to have enough context to fully appreciate it. So I definitely was confused at some points as to where where what's going on, what's been what's been happening, why why, why are we hmm. doing this? Uh, but I think it's I think it really succeeds as being at being a like. Um, a story about the politics of the Marvel Universe, of like the Doctor Doom, Namor, Black Panther, like dynamics of kings of uh, of the Marvel Universe. It's mm-hmm, very yeah. Hickman in this way. Like it very much feels like uh, Hickman's New Avengers, with like the 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 philosopher kings of the, of the Marvel Universe uh, all interacting. The feet. The the what? Philosopher philosopher kings. Yeah, that's oh, the way you say that in English. Uh. I heard, I heard the fetus of the kings. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the fetus of the king. No, the philosopher kings. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Now that now that I'm not teasing you. <laughs> yep. It's a, a very astute <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah. I did, I mean, I didn't sure. invent that saying. I can't remember who it is. No, no, yeah. I know, but like that, that's a very good application here. Yeah. I think, uh, that's, I think really that's it's very fun on that way, and it like it does. What was the name of that? I think it was Atlanti- Atlantis Attacks, maybe? Or like the saga of the something crown in the 80s, which was like a very boring Atlantis deviant thing. Yeah. That was very boring. This does a very similar idea of like friction and maybe war between Atlantis and the surface world, and specifically here, Atlantis and Wakanda. Um, it's I think it's pretty well done. It makes me care about the characters that are here, even though, like, who the hell is Gore? Um, oh, well, I just realized he has the same name spelled different, but as the Thor villain. Uh, but yeah, it's Gore the is the, the head of the, like, Lemurian deviants. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I'd say it's an Eternals thing, but it's mostly focused on the, like, Atlantis link. Uh, I think it's... Yeah, I it's, it's, I, know I think it's very fun to see Namor. I think it's one of the first time we've seen like the beginning of that rivalry and like enemyship between uh, Namor and Black Panther. And I think it's one of my favorite, favorite like not hero villain but like antagonistic relationship uh, in Marvel comics. It's fun to see mm-hmm. where it begins. Uh, yeah, I think overall like fun, fun comic, fun ideas, and like some good interactions between characters that I love uh, seeing together in a comic and like having friction from those interactions. I love that, like, it didn't leave that much of a mark on me, and the... Uh, I'm definitely out on Evercross, like, every time he shows up... Oh, see? Because this, is, this is where I was like, hey, he's modulating Ross here. Yeah. We're like, this is enough... I felt like this is just enough Ross. Like, yeah. Ross is not <laughs> 70 to 80% of the comic anymore. He's, like, 20? And I'm like, that's enough I Ross. Mean, like, I can get behind a little bit I of Ross. Yes, like, but then I think, like, I kind of agree, but then he's... So little here that like I'm I almost wondering why he is here. Like he do, it you can't doesn't just feel call like he plays little. any he's, kind of a role. He's just slightly shorter than average. Yeah, How rude to just call him. <laughs> um, yes, uh, it's yeah. I no, I don't know. I I don't really like. I didn't feel that. I liked him okay here uh, as like narrator, and he just doesn't like he doesn't take up as much spotlight. So I appreciate it. Um, yeah. But you know that's just that's just our uh, Ross uh, our Ross vibes. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Though I think like the strong core of this is like Doom, T'Challa, Magneto, and Namor in a room talking, right, and like arguing out the politics of their like various nations. Um, I think that stuff's great, especially like the Namor T'Challa stuff. Um, 
And Magneto. Like, although I can't even remember why Magneto was there. Oh, because he... Yeah, the timeline's really wonky because he's, like, the he's, ruler of He's the head of Genosha. Genosha yeah. It's like, Genosha's been gone for at least two episodes yeah. of my Marvelous Year. <laughs> but I guess apparently not. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's how it works. Comic. Oh, no, it's not even two because we haven't put out that episode yet. Oh, God, the timeline. The timeline is crumbling. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's I think it's good. I think it's, you know, like I said, this is something <laughs> that I should have been... I should have evoked this phrase way more throughout the history of this podcast, but my Marvelous Year Syndrome uh, <laughs> accounting yeah. for a little bit of, like, apathy for some stuff. Um, because, like, this this is just... These are three comics in a much larger run that, you know, if you just pluck them out, you're obviously not going to get, like, the same... have the same reaction. But yeah. um, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think this is back to, like priest doing like really interesting stuff with t'challa and company and made me yeah. interested in this because I mean, claws here he's doing fun stuff with claw i really like the way that like claw fights with like solidified sound yeah he's weird like, like sound cloud now oh SoundCloud, yeah <laughs> but yeah, he's like yeah, a claws, weird... claws a SoundCloud rapper <laughs> now <laughs> but he he looks and... less humanoid like he he's in a big weird cloud and he like i don't know he he feels weirder in a way that's like makes sense because he's such a weird character. Like he's a guy made of sound, and he doesn't look. He doesn't seem weird in the way he he was in like Secret Wars when he was just like kind of a Doom's jester, like just a weird little guy. Here he's just like I don't know. He's kind of a force of nature in some ways. That's that's kind of fun. But he also he's still got a little bit of that jester vibe. Yeah, um, because of the way that he fights, he like. Come, like when he shows up at the end of the second issue here he shows up as a train that's like uh, <laughs> yeah about to hit yeah Black that Panther was incredible the... like some perfect really dumb superhero stuff you know although in an otherwise very self-serious comic well and then like later when he's fighting t'challa he become he turns his sound into an entire baseball team which i think yeah. is really funny like all just hidden t'challa with their bats. and i love that um, it's not like, like it's not stuff. really made fun of by the characters it's just like mm-hmm. it's just normal that's the way a supervillain fight and i kind of like i kind of love that sometimes sometimes priest does the like makes fun of stupid superhero stuff but yeah but here, I, I here, here, it, it never... here faints yeah yeah um yeah i like i like that about claw which modern marvel writer do you think most likely is to turn claw to turn claw into a soundcloud rapper i think down dan slot would be the one who's like Oh, in yeah. 2023, yeah. I'm going to start commenting on SoundCloud rappers. It's not even. Uh, it's not even a contest. Yeah, yeah. It's it tends yeah, not. It's definitely, sure, <laughs> but but he also would be like eight years too late for it to be relevant. God, now I'm picturing a Black Panther like dance slot Black Panther run, and <laughs> it's time to stop. <laughs> and I'm getting um, a headache, and my nose is bleeding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. I, I will say, I I. I'm probably not gonna do the full Christopher Priest like Black Panther run like after this because I I re- I like this but not enough to to do it all right now. I kind of want to at some point do like a best of Black Panther like full read through, like starting mm-hmm. with uh, the FF stuff, then Rage of the Panther, and then going to Christopher Priest and the modern stuff because uh, like there's not that many Black Panther runs that you can do that kind of easily, and they're like yeah, they're there's like to, I don't know, the, the Kirby one is bad, and then I can't think of any other one that's not good. Um, so I bet yeah. you can catch up to Black Panther from Origins to today. <laughs> I bet you could yep. read, besides, like, his Avengers stuff, and, like, when he shows up at Defenders yeah, sure. and stuff. But, like, like Black actually Panther Black Panther series, or Wakanda I bet you runs. could do the entire thing in, like, 200 issues. I bet yeah, sure. every Black Panther 
issue. Although, I don't know, because the Tanahisi Coates uh, run kind of spreads out in spin-off series and stuff like that, so... Yeah, sure, but that's only, like, five years long, right? Yeah, that's probably, sure. Like, since Tanahisi Coates, it's probably, like, half of it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I might be off there, but I, it's not more than, like, 300. Anyway, I mean, I said, like, yeah, this is a run I'd like to read. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to, but the fact that I said that it's something I'd like to read is enough praise, you know? Uh-huh. That's, like... That's one level below the highest praise. The highest praise is that I actually go back to read the run. The second highest praise is that I just say I'm going to read the run. Um, and then I never do. But at least yep. I feel like it in the moment. So, um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why uh, Chris Claremont is <laughs> gets the highest praise for X-Men. Because I'm actually going back to read that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is Zach. After we finished recording... Charlotte and I were talking, and I can't believe I forgot to bring up Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever in the conversation about this Christopher Priest comic. It's just, like, so clearly something they were drawing on when they wrote that movie, and I meant to bring it up, and I forgot, and I <laughs> just have to acknowledge it. Okay, thanks, bye. Um, okay, I think that's gonna do it. We've, uh, we're running a little long here, but I think we had a ton of comics to cover, um, yeah. and I'm glad we talked about JMS's stuff as much as we did. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Well, we're going to have a variant next week. And then we're going to come back to talk about Wolverine Origin and New X-Men, the second arc of, uh, or the continuation of the first arc. It's kind of hard to tell um, the Morrison uh, New X-Men stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to be covering more Spider-Man again in 2022. A lot more um, JMS. I'm going to say we're going to start skipping stuff for JMS, the Spider-Man run. I think we skipped three issues in the middle of 2002 and then like in 2003 there's a bunch that gets skipped over um i think this is kind of a read them all series if you like it right like it's only yeah. five six years long and uh and i think like uh if, you, if you're digging it it's probably one to sit and read i think yeah. it's so good to say about spider-man because i yeah when I have we been able to say that about spider-man <laughs> no. outside well, of i think Stanley we're about to Romita. enter like a little bit of a golden age of spider-man because peter yeah. jenkins wait no paul jenkins is uh is about to start up if he hasn't already the spectacular spider-man which is like yeah. a side series which is really cool because it feels it's like its own distinct thing it's not like at least in my memories it doesn't feel like you have to be reading both to stay caught up like it's its own kind of vibe and it's more about like spider-man in his relationship with like his apartment building and he's got his own villains and his own vibe running over there while jms does one thing here an amazing spider-man but that's also really good i'm gonna try to put some of that on the dean's list um for 2004 so um i think we're gonna we're in the midst of some good spider-man years coming up um and jms's run is one that i actually will be reading all of <laughs> so that is the highest praise because uh as we read it i'm gonna fill in those issues i'm definitely not gonna skip around them all right um thank you so much for listening uh we appreciate you if you want to support the show honestly if you want to support the show, go tell a friend. Try to get someone into uh, think about if you know anyone who's into comics and uh, and might appreciate this show. Uh, go let somebody know. Yeah, I mean, we, um, we and we've been get... hitting some good like starting points for Marvel recently. Like Grant Morrison, mm -hmm. this is a like Amazing Spider-Man. This is a very good starting point for in modern Spider-Man stuff. So yeah, it's like it's exciting to have like very much uh, beginning of modern stuff for for so many characters x-men spider-man uh soon avengers yeah yep i agree um yeah yeah please if you want to uh leave us a review on apple podcasts that would be uh very much appreciated i'm gonna actually shout out one we got here from david from slack <laughs> is the username and this is uh david in our slack 
who very nicely went and left us a really good review. Very sweet. Um, and uh, yeah, we appreciate those and money, money over on Patreon. I always like money too. So, um, <laughs> music is uh, music is by Disaster Piece. And thank you, Charlotte. We'll see you next year. Thank you. See you next year. Uh-huh.